Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Yu. And I'm Josh Hallman. And did you know that you can email us with questions and topic suggestions? I, if you're I, like, hey guys, <laughs> stop, shut up already about your This Week in Writing, I don't care. Please talk about X, Y, or Z. You can do that. You can just email us at act2writers at gmail.com, all spelled out, mm. or reach out to us on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. What must it be like to go through life not wanting to hear a This Week in Writing? <laughs> It's a sad, sad existence for sure. <laughs> Terrible. Well, today, today we are talking about hustle and the job that is screenwriting. What is it? What does it mean? What are the ways you can hustle, as it were, to both jumpstart your career, but also keep your career going because the hustle never ends. The right, hustle. Josh? You know what? The hustle never ends. And this topic came up because I was talking to a writer and they were like, yeah, I just don't know how to hustle. And I was like, oh, I, maybe maybe they mean that they don't have like hustle in them, I yeah. thought is what, what they meant. But it actually meant I don't know where to begin. Like I know that hustle is required, but I don't know how to access the hustle. <laughs> so yeah. I thought we would talk about that because that had not necessarily occurred to me i guess just that term itself can feel very scary for people and so we're just gonna break it down yeah i I feel like actually this is a good thing to talk about because you are right when someone's like they hustle that can mean about a million different things yeah and we need to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) that was a great look okay but first yeah this week in writing This week in writing. Last week, I tried very ineloquently to talk about actors versus writers and how they pitch. And so this week, I have thought about it a lot more, and I feel ready to talk about it like a real human being. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I am working on The Mighty Nine, which is a show created by voice actors. So we have voice actors in the writer's room, and they are amazing. And... One thing I've really noticed is how they pitch versus how writers pitch. And I think it's super important to talk about because there's a lot, I think, for writers to learn from in how actors pitch. Mm. And I think actors are naturally more, what's like, their energy is different. <laughs> there's, they, they have like a bigger energy. Right than writers who tend to be, and this is this is very generalized. Obviously, there are major exceptions, but writers tend to be a bit more inward. Writers yeah. tend, uh, actors tend to be a bit more outward. So when they pitch, they are bringing not only like voices to, like the different characters that are that are in a scene. And let me take a step back. Let's just say I'm trying to convince you, Josh, that my opening scene is a good opening scene. Yeah, and you're like, I don't really see it. So a writer version might be. Well, but Josh, like, if you think about the character, like, he needs to learn that he likes eggs. So he's gonna, he walk, he walks into, um, he's got to go to the dining hall to, like, try the different eggs and mm-hmm. see if he likes them. And so, um, yeah, and then afterwards he finds out he likes eggs and, like, that's a big turning point. Pass. But an actor might be like, all right, 
Bob fucking hates eggs. He goes into this diner and he's like smelling the smells of the diner. And it's just, it's intoxicating. And he sees over there, this beautiful woman is eating eggs and he wants nothing more than to like talk to this beautiful mm. woman. So he grabs a plate. Like we, in other words, this is a really terrible scene, but in other words, we're like, they bring you into the scene the way that they pitch it. Like I am moving through it with them. I am smelling things, I'm touching things, I'm hearing things. Like there's so much action in the way that they pitch a scene because they pitch story versus I feel like writers, because we're always trying to fix things in our head and make sure it all works, right? That yeah. the car runs, that we can get caught up on details that aren't very exciting. Yeah. I, by the way, sold, but, uh, I, I, I do think actors are really great at knowing the cue of when to turn it on and, and say, okay, it is now time for me to sell you on this idea. A lot of times writers, like you just said, get caught up in like the shit that doesn't matter. Oh, you know, Bob just arced from not wanting eggs to wanting eggs or whatever it is, yeah. you know, whereas big I f- deal guys, <laughs> big deal. Whereas like an actor makes you feel the emotion of poor Bob. Now he wants like an omelet and, yes. I, and you can, that, it, yeah, it's like performative. Yes. And but, I think this applies to pitching in a, in a writer's room as well as pitching generally that walking through, walking people through a scene as if they are experiencing it the way they would experience it if they were watching it. I think can be really key in helping someone buy a pitch, literally and figuratively. I've also seen writers who just like will will like bury their nose in their computer, yeah, or in their notes, and not even look at you while they're pitching, and then they just pitch literal beats rather than hey, like be open, be open, just tell me what the story is here, just just talk me through, just just. Tell me a story, which is something we talk a lot about in the Pitching is Terrible series, which is that pitches, writer's room, or, you know, you're trying to sell a movie, um, it needs to be as if it's a campfire story. And I just feel like actors maybe tend to be better at that than writers. So it's just a note for writers to, to work on this skill. It's something to work on. I know I've talked about this before, but I have a friend who is a lawyer and he is very performative when he gets into... Um, What's that? Mm. You know, what, that presentation of where he's like building his case. And I know this because he has told me this and he has read books on the art of pitching, how to sell things, what sticks in people's brains. He's used key words. He can touch on people's emotions. There's there's a definite correlation between pitching for movies to what he's doing to win over a jury, which is freaking crazy. But yeah, that's the importance of pitching. Dang. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't have anything close to that or your This Week's in Writings. I really didn't even have one, but I did start thinking about something. And I realized that we are basically in April. And (laughs) this is just to say, if you are writing a spec, if you're a writer who's trying to do, you know, get a manager, an agent, or if you had plans, I guess what I'm saying is we're like a quarter through the year. And now I think is a good time to take that inventory and get going on whatever it is that you're not getting going on. Yeah. And yeah. Because whatever is, momentum you have now is going to probably be the momentum you take through the whole year, good or bad. Wow. Yeah, that's true. It's so crazy. I know everyone says this. It's like, you know, talking about time is like talking about the weather. It's like, just like, put me to sleep now. Like, no one cares. But, 
But it is true that, by the way, I do like talking about the weather, but it is true that, <laughs> that you know, you're like, wow, it's basically, not quite yet, but April 2023. Like, it was just March of 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I literally, literally this weekend thought it was January. <laughs> <laughs> Because the the clocks change, and I was like, "Why is it? Does it always change in January? No, it changes in the spring." Yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, my anyway. This, my this week in writing is just like inventory. Yeah, because I'm doing it too. I think that's smart. Yeah. Okay, I have two more this week's in writings. If yeah. you will allow me, please. They're golden. I'm gonna pretend like one was mine. Okay. <laughs> so, I am putting together a pitch right now. And the people told me, hey, can you pitch in two weeks? And I was like, sure, yeah, two weeks, of course. You you just, of course. <laughs> like they're on a deadline and they need to get it done now. Um, or I kind of missed my shot. So you sort, I sort of had no choice in the matter. Oftentimes I will try to push for the time amount that I need. And two weeks is usually not enough because this is usually how those two weeks break down for me, which is... I take one week to break the movie by myself. So, and I say that sarcastically because Josh is right here and has been a huge help in helping me break this <laughs> by fielding texts at like 12 a.m. <laughs> but you you break an entire movie in one week, which is hard. Like that's just, that doesn't really totally make sense. The second uh, week, you, the first half is usually you putting that idea into a pitch script that can convey your idea in like the simplest, but also the most exciting way, like what we've just talked about. Um, so you're not over explaining, but you're also not under explaining this movie that you broke in a week. Mm-hmm. The second half of that second week is you tweaking and practicing that pitch script so that it feels effortless, so that it feels really tight and, and is the best that it can be. And that made me think that each step of that process is actually a different part of your brain as a writer, like breaking an overall movie, which usually means like knowing a really cool cold open, knowing what your act breaks are, knowing what your midpoint is, and then details of the world, details of the characters you're gonna pitch, all of that is its own skill set that some people have and some people don't. But if you have that, then you move to the next phase, which is putting that idea into a script, a pitch script, which is a whole other skill set. like. Being able to convey this amazing movie that you have into a very particular format, which is a script to some, like to pitch your vague idea to someone else so that it, you are basically inceptioning them with your idea and they love it is its own particular skill because the way that a pitch script works, it's, it's not like writing a short story. It's not like writing a script. It's not like anything you will ever have to write in your actual job except a pitch script. So it's very particular. And then the last bit is like the people person part of it, the energy that you bring. And a lot of writers can do those first two things, but the energy that they bring to a pitch, sometimes they don't have that. Sometimes they just read. And by the way, people have sold by just reading. That's that's a whole thing. For me, I like to feel like I've never done this before, except this moment. I've never pitched this. This is a totally new idea off the cuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it because pitching is a real son of a bitch. And we have pitch, a pitching is terrible series, which is exactly for this. It does get easier over time, but it just made me think like 
it's so hard to get jobs. <laughs> yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking about in pitching, I, I, I'm, I have a little seven-year-old, so I'm fortunate, but sometimes I'll practice even like telling her movies like, oh, this is Back to the Future. It's about this guy who gets this time machine. And the, the reason I bring that up is because what you're saying is like you're trying to keep people's attention and make them interested and invested in an idea. And it definitely is a uh, muscle that you should definitely work out. So mm-hmm. I bring that up because, you know, if you haven't pitched or if you're not pitching and you're needing to pitch, I, you just got to like practice movies on people. Like, oh, this guy gets stuck in Shawshank and then he tunnels his way out. That's a great idea. You That's just a practice super on great people. Idea. Like just your favorite movies and see what happens. But it has to be in an organic way in a movie someone hasn't seen. And then find out when people check out. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> That's a really great. I think I, I would fail at that. Actually, I, like I'd, I'd really, it'd really be hard to do. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do it. Even with with Nicole, my wife, my my daughter, like I'll just practice it, and I can see when they check out, which is pretty quick when it comes to me. Uh, but uh, you know, thirty seconds of glory with trying to pitch to them. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But no, in all seriousness, I think that works. But yeah, I, I it, it's tough, man. I don't know how you did it in two weeks. Me neither. We'll see. <laughs> I get it's it. Good. That's how I, I did it. I promise. Mark my words, <laughs> podcast. This We're going to be talking about this, and I'm going to tell you it's because Tasha had the greatest pitch. Bless you, Joshua. Bless you. Bless the pitch. All right. I have one more. Yes. I can, I can make it quick. Um, there's a phrase that one of the writers in my room uses, which I really love. So I thought I would talk about it. Uh, she says, is it a bug or a feature? And like this will come up if, say, we run into a problem in the room. And we're like, oh, shit. We did not set up this character, for example. Oh, man, we really should have been seeding him through. Holy shit. What are we going to do? We don't have room to put this character in. And she's like, well, is it a bug or a feature? Is it a bug, meaning it's it's a problem we have to fix, so we have to find ways to seed this character in early? Or is it a feature, meaning is it something that we can lean into and make it a feature of the story? Mm. So that maybe by not seeding this character in, there's more mystery to this character. So that when we do introduce them, there's question marks and he seems much cooler than he really is. So. Both of those, we either have to fix it or we lean into it and find a really cool way to do it. So is it a bug or a feature? And you can use this for anything, but I liked it because we often come up to problems in our screenwriting where we forgot to do something or um, the plot doesn't quite work and we didn't realize it till the last minute. So it's maybe helpful to ask yourself this question because then it could maybe force you to be creative in how you answer the problem, I guess. When you first said this to me, I was like, what? And I thought you meant, is it a problem or is it, or is it something that can be spun off into a feature film? Ah. That was where my brain went. And, eh, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, we need to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, it's an interesting turn of phrase. But I think just because it was used in context, I understood it. But I probably yeah. used it poorly <laughs> when I texted it to you. Is it a bug or a feature? I was like, what? <laughs> Is this a puzzle? 
<laughs> like studying my phone. I like that. No, it's a, it's a good thing because, yeah, you're right. It does come up where you have these little characters where you're like, is this character becoming a problem because they're in it too often? Do I even need this character? Mm-hmm. Should I lean into this person? Mm-hmm. Do they enhance my main character? Bugger feature. Bugger feature. All right. All right. The hustle. Okay. I feel like let's start with the basic part of the hustle, which is the writing aspect. And we, I think here a lot of people say you have to write every day. And I think that intimidates people. So I disagree with that. I think you just have to write. But the thing I don't disagree with is that you do have to prove both to yourself and to literally anyone who will ever pay you to write anything that you can finish a screenplay and that the screenplay is good. So that is the bare minimum of what the hustle means is that you are finishing your work. Yeah. So if you struggle with finishing your movie or your pilot, then this is the first step that you need to work on. And I think one of the things, you know, ways to help you work on that is if you have a full-time job, it's obviously much harder, but Maybe try and find a 24-hour diner or a place that's open late after work and just go for one to two hours after work before you go home. Because I have found anyways that as soon as I go home after a long day's work, I just don't want to do any work. And it's so hard. And then I beat myself up because I've not done any work. I feel like I'm useless and that I don't have hustle. But it's not your fault. (laughs) You're tired. It makes sense. But if you take yourself to some place like an office or a diner or a cafe library, someplace where you can just focus on work and it doesn't have to be long, one to two hours, then you're getting in this pattern of working on your stuff every day. And me personally, I've gotten into a, into a place, I don't know about you, Josh, but if I don't write every day, I definitely do feel antsy. Mm. Yes and no. Sometimes, <laughs> listen, There's I've taken days off from writing, but I've always been thinking about writing if that makes yeah. any sense. Like I'm like the second, maybe I don't have something figured out in a second act and I know that I need to re-outline. So maybe the outline, maybe the writing is outlining. Sometimes I'm just thinking, but yes, I get very, very antsy when I'm not act like completely in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me is kind of the first step. And a very important first step because you do meet a lot of people who just have ideas and they haven't yes. executed the ideas, uh, which is fine. Having ideas is amazing. But at some point you do have to, like you said, kind of finish a script and prove yeah. to yourself you can do it and say, I'm done. Not, not I'm going to keep revising this, this, okay, maybe there's notes, but you're, you're done. You're done until someone like a producer or whoever comes in and says... All right, let's let's tweak this a little. Yeah. The second thing to me would be meeting people oh. is a big part of the hustle. I should say that before we uh, recorded this, we both were like, let's write down some some of like the ways you hustle. And by the, these are like my my two. This is one and two for me. You go then. Take it. No, it's meeting people. That's it. That, that go. I, I want you to keep going. That was it. I was like meeting. <laughs> I guess why is the, why is this important for the hustle? I think it's important because Josh and I have only ever gotten our jobs, our connections, our 
reps, our uh, script options and sales, all the things, because we knew someone already. We, we were introduced to them, a producer or a friend knew a producer or something. Like we met people within working actively in the entertainment industry who could recommend us or say, hey, you should meet so-and-so. And in meeting people, we start to get these job opportunities. This is hard, by the way. I do feel like being around people is much more beneficial for your career. But there are the examples of people who just write a script or a short story. You post it on Reddit. You post it on a, a website. It gets found. And then you have a career. Like that shit happens. It's there. There's no, no doubt about it. But that would be a one-off if they didn't then start meeting people and hustle. Boom, you're right. So it's important to start a career if you don't have this option to you, <clears throat> or that's just one of the eggs in your basket is the Reddit short story and other stuff, which is my next big topic. But once you do get that sale, that first sale, let's say you didn't know anybody and it's just, you were living in your basement in, in Idaho and then you sold something. Easy. You are only going to sell that one thing if you don't start meeting people and getting to know people and taking general meetings and being someone people want to work with. Yeah. And we talked about this before, but then following up with those people in a long game type of manner, sticking mm -hmm. around, being active in their life in any way that you can. If that, if like the, I, I, my feeling is the more you can be around people and in someone's life, the better chance you have to, you know, have success. Yes. It, it happens. I, I was, I had a, well, this was last month maybe, but I, I just did like a catch up general meeting with someone who was an exec and he, he was like, oh yeah, what are you working on? And I would just like, would say things and he's like, oh yeah, send this over and, you know, send it over when you're done. And that would have never happened had we not connected. And that mm -hmm. shit happens where, you know, sometimes people just say it to say it, but you know, people take you up. You, have, yeah. you take people up on their offer. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem then becomes, once you're in this system, it's a bit easier. It's a lot easier to meet more people. You can get recommendations from people. You can say, hey, who do you know anyone who would like a really great action movie? Would love to meet them. Or you just start, your reps start sending you out and people you've met start recommending you. It just kind of starts to snowball, basically. So how do you do this part of the hustle if you are not in the system already. And this is a big sticking point. There's, and, and by the way, there are a million different versions of this. So I, I think Josh and I can speak to a few different versions, but there are so many paths to success. I think, you know, I came up as a, an assistant, an executive assistant in development. So I worked at, um, I worked for a director uh, and I got that job through an internship that I did really well on. And that internship person recommended me to this job. And then after that, um, I worked for a development executive at Universal. So I just started meeting a bunch of assistants and making sure I knew all of them that I worked with. And they are now executives. So now I have all of those connections as well. If you're not choosing to work in, in development, there's also production assistant, which is, I think, a path you did, Josh, right? I was a production assistant. I worked in the art department. I did that stuff. But my big path, my I, I broke off a bit. I worked in, I was like making short films. What was interesting is like I was making things f for 
you know, digital content, but it was all people who were wanting to be in Hollywood. If that makes, you know what I mean? It was like, I didn't take the traditional path. I met people who all wanted, like I met directors and other writers and. By being a PA? Oh, no, no, after, after PA. I'm sorry. So I did meet other directors and writers, you know, at that point, everyone's kind of grinding just to get into Hollywood. So I met people that way, but my big way I started to meet people was just making content. And even then I was helping people on film shoots or excuse me, short, short shoots or digital shoots or whatever the hell they were called. And how did you find those jobs or those opportunities? I was just doing it myself, to be honest. Like I started a web series with my friend and that ended up kind of entering this community of creators. Those creators all wanted to be directors. Mm. Some wanted to be writers. So were you submitting those short, that web series to things and that's why you found a community or people just started responding to you and maybe like reaching out to you after seeing your YouTube videos? It's a little bit of both actually. Okay. But even my friend Kai, who we, we shot the short film together and we uh, are supposed to be writing something together, even he started, he, now he has like a company. He's full on head of like part of a head of a company, but he used to make short uh, content. And he mm-hmm. would, so there was like, I was like Hollywood adjacent while kind of being in it, if that makes any sense. It wasn't mm-hmm. traditional, but I was kind of meeting people who were in the, in the world. I just realized we should do a whole episode where I interview you and talk about your path. No, absolutely not. Yep. <laughs> You're gonna be. It would be like <laughs> this makes no fucking sense. I've had a lot of <laughs> a lot of weird things and lucky things happen along That's the way. That's what's so great. So yeah, I think being a PA, being an executive assistant, if you can get those jobs, um, and you can apply. I think entertainmentcareers.com was a place I always looked. You can start getting into writer networks that you can find any any in your area where there might be meetups, people who um, are, are writers who just need a writer's group. Like that's a great way to start. It helps you have a support system and you can all maybe apply to contests and stuff together, which brings me into my next big way to hustle, Go. which is especially if you don't know a lot of people who are actively working in the industry. Josh and I are big proponents of submitting to contests and fellowships, particularly the major ones so that it's not a waste of your precious money. So like Austin Film Festival, which is one that Josh has had a lot of success with, Screencraft, oh, yeah. which Nicole Ramberg, who we just interviewed, has had a lot of success with. We've also had friends who uh, were able to get reps based on placing high in Screencraft and being featured in Screencraft. The Nichols Fellowship is another really great one. Go to the Blacklist's website because while they have the Blacklist, the Blacklist itself also has some cool programs. Um, it's unfortunately, I think, expensive. You have to have your your script hosted on their website in order to access those programs. But that's how I got my start was through the Blacklist website. There's also a lot of TV writing programs around town. And even if this was my mistake, I was like, I don't want to write TV, I don't want to write movies, so I'm not going to do that. But I think it's worth applying to, A, because in our business, those now are so fluid. You may be a feature writer, but I guarantee you will come up with an idea that would be better as a TV show. And it's also a really, it's a far more consistent living 
as a, <laughs> as a writer. <laughs> um, so TV writing programs around town, there's Disney, Fox, I think ABC and NBC both have one. You can check my math on that through Google. Just Google TV writing programs at major studios and just apply like crazy to them because the benefit of those programs is that you don't need to have reps. You don't even need to have contacts in the industry. You can be absolutely unknown. And then one of the benefits of the programs is that you can often leave them with an agent or a manager because they find you have clearly gone through a weeding out process and mm -hmm. they are interested in you. And in the TV writing programs in particular, you can often end those programs with a staff writing job. And that's a, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Uh, one of the writers in my room actually who has been working in TV much longer than I have started in the WB TV writing program, which I believe is now debunked. It's, I think so. That sounds right. That is not the there wrong anymore. Word. Defunct? Gone. Gone. Wiped from existence. You know, I was just thinking while you were saying this, there are a lot of programs and a lot of contests to submit to. And I feel like what I wish I would have done, so I'm saying what I think maybe should have happened, should happen mm -hmm. is... Maybe make like a plan if you place in one of these contests. Like what, let's say, oh, Tasha, you just placed uh, in a screencraft thing or you got nines on the blacklist or you just won something over at Austin. Like what's your plan? Like I feel like a mm. lot of times you hear people who have reps reach out to them or uh, producers reach out to them, but I feel like it'd probably be a good idea to have a little bit of a, a path that you want to take after you place, if you place or whatever it is. Just be prepared, I guess, is my thing. That's super interesting. So you mean have like managers or agencies that you want to try to meet with at that time and also like what you would want to ask of that manager? Because I think typically the first thing that happens to you is a manager or junior agent approaches you. Yeah. So like, what do you want to ask of them? What do you want out of a manager or an agent? Is it like stuff like that? And then also, I guess, do you want to work in TV more? Do you want to work in features more? Be prepared to know what path you want so that if a manager approaches you, you can maximize that relationship right away. Yeah. For instance, uh, with Austin, for, for my situation, I had no expectations and I was kind of caught off guard. And fortunately, I had... Um, an agent and a manager reach out to me. However, if I had an, something like the Act Two podcast or something like that in my life at the time, I um, I probably would have been like, okay, there's a chance I might place at Austin, and if that happens, this is what I'm going to do, and then mm. and then do that. I'm like I'm meaning, gonna reach I'm going to make sure I go to this party, this party, and this party. I'm going to try to talk to so-and-so while I'm there. I'm going to have a plan yeah. to move my career rather than just wait for people to talk to me. Yeah. I think that's great advice. If you say so, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next big thing is similar to meeting people, but it's sort of the next step, which is to build and maintain that mm. network that of, of people that you've that you've met yeah because and, and this is where we talked about the, the hustle never ends because you have to maintain relationships this business is all about relationships i was just talking recently actually about how i got the mighty nine job and i had forgotten kind of where it really really started which is i was playing D D 
with an agent at CAA. Oh. Who ended up representing Mighty Nine, their critical role rather. And they were like, you love critical role, Tasha. You should meet with their executive. And then I met with their executive and realized their executive was someone I knew already. I had been an assistant with him when I worked at Universal. And so we just basically reconnected. And then from there, different jobs would come up and Mighty Nine became one of them. And it all started because of a relationship that I had with someone else in the business. And now I'm maintaining that relationship with this former assistant who um, now works for Critical Role and he's he's awesome. So it's, hold on, th- hold these on, pieces on. are so important. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're in a Dungeons and Dragon session. Yeah. It ends. You guys yeah. are all walking out together. And then the agent's like, hey, you like Critical Role. You should meet this executive. Yeah. Or is it like midway, you're playing a game, you just killed somebody with like a spell and the agent's like, by the way, Tasha, like when does this happen? I just need to know for my own personal. I'm so impressed you knew enough to say that and like set that scene, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for the last two years without anyone knowing. <laughs> that would kill me. That would like, that would break me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think we were playing with... There were two agents at CAA, and they were just friends of mine. So uh, them being at CAA was not how I met them. They just happened to also be at CAA. And uh, one was Pete, Cousin Pete. Shout out. So shout out to my very first manager of all time. So I knew him before he ever worked at CAA, and then he just happened to work there. And they mentioned getting this big account CA or critical role. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That is so cool. I would die happy writing for them. And then nothing happened. Nothing happened for months. And I was like, I am sitting literally across the table, eating popcorn with and fighting monsters with people who could potentially connect me to critical role and they're not doing it. And that made <laughs> me so unhappy. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, well, it's never going to happen because if if I'm sitting this close to the opportunity and it's not happening, then it's just not going to yeah. happen. And then one day, I don't know why, maybe they had a meeting internally or it's it feels like what probably happened was that Critical Role, the executive there, reached out to them and said, hey, we want to create content. Can you start introducing me to writers? And they said, sure, here's a writer's list, one of, one of which is Tasha. Mm. And then because I then knew this guy from from being an assistant with him, it sort of took off from there. Okay. These are my favorite stories, by the way. Like <laughs> anyone's stories, your story, anyone when when someone's like, like not to get into this, but like the, the way that I met a producer that I'm working with was because it was a hot day at tennis. We played tennis together. We I didn't even know, like we didn't know what we did. We were both mm-hmm. so exhausted. We just sat at the same table talking for like an hour and... And then it came to be and we ended up working together. And so those, amazing. these stories are always like, I always need to know like yeah. what happened, exactly how it happened. Like someone tripped over someone. I agree with you. Fell in someone's arms. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, building and maintaining your, your network of peeps that you've met. I think watch 
watch or no, you can't watch, listen to our episodes on general meetings and how to get reps and all of that. And that will speak to how to sort of continue to, I think we even have an episode on maintaining a network. So mm. those are all super, super important. And that's kind of, those are the big, those are the big highlights on how to, to hustle unless I've missed anything major. You know, I don't think so. It's just about staying active, I think. And I can't even believe I'm saying this, but like being in the right headspace because it is hard and it is exhausting and it's like a whole other thing you have to do. And sometimes I'm not saying to like be like cocaine bear, like on the go, 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 go at all times. But, you know, you do have to stay active and don't get it. And it's hard. It's easy to get discouraged and be kicked down. I think, you know, that's the hard part. Yeah. The hard part for me, because I'm not a social person is to send that email to say, Hey, do you want to grab breakfast? Do you want to grab a drink? Cause I don't want to do that. I want to know this person. I want to meet them. That's, that's not the problem necessarily. It's just, I don't want to leave the house. <laughs> I don't oh. want to do these things. So it's really, it is really hard for me. Um, mm. and it, cause it's just not a muscle that writers necessarily use that much. And that's a generalization. I think you're yeah. far more social than I am. It's it's not it's not easy. I think you're like a, a social butterfly in hiding. I think You're I think, not the first person to I think I just come off as social, but really <laughs> I mean yeah, the pandemic is when I thrived. I didn't have to see <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Who is this Tasha? <laughs> no one's seen her. You just you just get pages from her and like, stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cause Paul's really social. Yeah. So Either he's bringing out the social in you or you offset each other in the perfect way. I think it's a combo. Yeah, a, he, he brings me out and and I need it because he's, he's, yeah. all, he's, he's often like, you should invite Josh over for dinner or something. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I've, I've gotten zero invites. <laughs> so, <laughs> for, we're not doing that. He's like, he's your friend. You talk to him every day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's invited me over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but counterpoint, you've not, you've not come over. <laughs> that, so I think we're both like this. <laughs> listen, you know I'm really bad with planning. That that I love being around people, but I really am bad with 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 just Josh, do you still have presents for me from like two years ago? They're in my bedroom. They're you in the corner of my yet? bedroom. No, they are I swear <laughs> to God, they're there. And even when I see you at writer's group, Nicole's like, take the presents. And I'm like, no problem. And then I just walk out of the house. <laughs> yeah, I see you every two weeks and you still haven't brought them. It's, there's something wrong with me. Part of me just wants to know how long it can go until, <laughs> until you, our friendship ends over these presents. <laughs> yeah, I got one for Paul too. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, quote of the day. That's the hustle. All uh-huh. right. Quote of the day. So far, it's a lot of fun being a writer. And about every other day, it seems like a big fiasco, a completely unviable train wreck, which, based on my experience with stories, indicates that it might be a worthy adversary. George Saunders. There we go. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow Sedak Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two Podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs>